Super Talk Mississippi media production. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Good morning and welcome to Coast View, the show that celebrates the men and women who are making coastal Mississippi a better place to live, work, and play. And man, it's been cold. It's been cold in coastal Mississippi. And uh, that's actually going to be the subject of the first half of the show today. But before we get to that, I wanted to share something with you. This is from Blake Moeller. Blake actually played soccer, excuse me, volleyball in Ocean Springs. She went on to Purdue University, and she's actually over in Germany now playing professional volleyball. And uh, she, uh, my, my daughter uh, is uh, married to her cousin, uh, Keith Williams. My daughter is Tori uh, Williams, who teaches at St. James. And uh, so we, we consider Blake to be family. We follow her progress, followed her pl- progress really closely at Purdue. And then uh, have watched her closely in her efforts in Germany, and what a great what a great experience she's getting. But she posted this that I thought was worthy of sharing. The universe isn't testing you; it's simply showing you the vibrational gap between where you are now and where you truly want to be. I just thought that was pretty darn powerful. And it came from Awaken Healers, is where that came from. And then another friend, and I don't know who wrote this, but it's pretty simple. It says this, create the life you can't wait to wake up to. I just think that is a, a really good one. Create the life you can't wait to wake up to. Just a couple of words of wisdom to start to show off today. Uh, now I want to invite uh, the EMA, EMA director. He's the director of emergency management, homeland security, and emergency communications for Harrison County, Matt Stratton. Matt, come on in, buddy. It's good to see you. Hi, Ricky. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, it's been a couple of weeks since we got together, but uh, there's been no rest for the weary in the last, say, 12 months for you know people in your position. And of course, the cold weather was no exception to that, was it? Yes, we've had a busy time lately, and uh, coming out of this winter weather uh, situation, uh, we're looking forward to spring getting here eventually. But we got a ways to go on winter yet. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> before you know it. June's going to be here, and we're going to crank up another uh, hurricane season, seemingly without a break in a way, because, you know, I think part of the reason we feel that way is because obviously the pandemic continues, and so much of our world has been rocked as it relates to the pandemic. The pandemic seems to be and is part of so many of our conversations here on Coast View, and what we've done as a community to, to, to stand up to this crisis and do the best we can to move life forward, to move the economy forward, following the CDC guidelines, et cetera. It's been something to watch, and there's been a lot of great leadership there. So, you know, we're, we're going to come to um, the cold situation because a lot of people, you know, want to know sort of what's the emergency procedures in place for people who might need some help during the cold situation. But before we do that, because the, to some extent, the cold situation is somewhat impacted by the pandemic. So what's your latest thoughts on where we are as it relates to the pandemic? Well, I was just reviewing the uh, the latest numbers from Mississippi just released a short while ago. Uh, in the state, we've had another uh, increase of uh, 734 new cases uh, since yesterday, and COVID continues, unfortunately, right uh, here where I work in Harrison County, another 45 cases since yesterday. And so it is still out there in our communities being transmitted, and uh, we are dealing with uh, a lot of challenges associated with that, for sure. 
I had a friend that called me the other day and, um, and I won't name the name of the restaurant. I don't, I don't call people out on this show, but I do use it as a teaching moment, an opportunity to talk about it. Um, what he said was that he went to a restaurant, a pretty a noted restaurant here in coastal Mississippi. I shared, in fact, that during the Super Bowl, there was a bar over in Hancock County that had a Super Bowl party, and people were packed in this bar shoulder to shoulder and talked about that. But he went into this restaurant, and not a single employee in the restaurant was wearing any kind of protective um, you know, device, you know, no, no face masks, seemingly no concern at all for the fact that a pandemic was going on. Do you hear that very often? Now, the good news, I don't hear that very often. I, the good news is that most restaurants are following the guidelines and they're deeply concerned about their employees and their employees' families. But you do hear those that are not pay, following the guidelines. So what do you have to say to restaurants that are trying to act like there is no pandemic? Well, uh, they're in a bit of denial, unfortunately. There is still a pandemic, and we have a ways to go yet. Um, and, you know, it, it doesn't have to be complicated or expensive, but basic things will help keep us safe until we've got this situation in hand. Things like keeping your distance from people, uh, avoiding large groups if possible, wearing a mask, um, you know, and it, as you are able to, signing up for a vaccination. These are all key things that are going to help keep people protected. and. Uh, you know, I myself uh, had COVID uh, back in the fall and I recovered okay as far as I know. Um, but, you know, really the concerns are for members of our community who are more vulnerable and can have more serious side effects and, and repercussions from the disease. We want to help protect them. Yeah, I've had, uh, as you can imagine, since we do this show daily and we talk to the leaders in the, in the medical community, one, one being Dr. Nicholas Conger, who you know is an infectious disease doctor over at Memorial. And, uh, you know, he's such a practical view toward this. In fact, he's going to be on the show uh, Friday and we'll talk more about about where we are. But one of the things that he says is that, you know, the, the tools to fight the coronavirus, the, the COVID-19 has been they've been the same since we started this. And which is all the things you said, wear a face mask, wash your hands, you know, don't do close talking. You know, do, socially distance, uh, distancing is really important. And, of course, protecting the vulnerable. And Lee Bond, uh, who's the, the, uh, the president and CEO of Singing River Health Systems, has been on the show several times. And I, I like the way he says it. He says, first of all, close talking. Close talking is the single <laughs> most significant way that this, this virus uh, is spread. So you know, from, one, from your mouth, the aspirations from your mouth caught into someone's you know lungs and it spreads that way so you got to not close talk and the other thing he says that if you haven't washed your hands in the past hour you need to go wash your hands you've waited too long it's that important actually that you stay on top of that um that's really good advice isn't it yeah it absolutely is and those uh basics apply not just for uh coronavirus but you know for flu and, and other things that are still happening in our communities as well. And so everything we can do to help protect one another, um, you know, I think there's reasonable things that, that we can do to help each other out. So Matt, you, uh, you and I were talking off the air. You had a career at the Air Force. You're a meteorologist. Um, you could have ended up anywhere in the United States, but what happens is you land inside the Harrison County Emergency Management Group 
And uh, in a very short period of time, you you find yourself now the director. And we talked at length about that the last time we came together. But um, do you feel like you're in a dream job? Because this seems to be a great fit for you. Well, it, it is uh, uh, absolutely a, a job that I enjoy every day. And no doubt there's been challenges this last year. But uh, we have a great team that works here in Harrison County, um, working with our partners at the local, state, uh, and federal levels. Uh, it takes a whole team to to get things done. And uh, I've really enjoyed it so far. Uh, very fortunate that Rupert was able to bring me on board uh, three years ago and uh, that the board's given me the opportunity to step into the director's role now. So uh, let's talk about the weather situation. In a lot of ways, I've had, um, I have a place up in the Mississippi Delta and our farmer friend up there has been sending pictures from there. And it literally this morning looks like the, f- the frozen tundra still. <laughs> I mean, it's it's amazing the amount of snow and ice still on the ground. And uh, in some respects, we kind of dodged a bullet because we didn't have an ice storm. You know, by the time the cold weather here, the, the, the rain had passed. That's not to say that the cold weather is not incredibly dangerous and that we have to be very careful about how we face it. But how do you feel about the way we've ramped up around this emergency? And, you know, give us your thoughts about it. Sure. Well, uh, going back, you know, to last week when we saw that this was a possibility, uh, we started getting the information out and collaborating with all of our partners, you know, our partners at the state with MEMA, uh, with the health department, uh, coordinating here at the local level with the nonprofits and and the local governments. And um, I think everybody had uh, the information needed to make the decisions that they were responsible for. And so uh, really working as a team together, I think it's uh, it's gone relatively well. And as you said, we, uh, I don't know if I'd say we dodged a bullet, but it was uh, less impactful to our communities than it could have been here in Harrison County. Our neighbors to the north and west, not so lucky, unfortunately. Yeah, I heard, I saw, um, I mean, there obviously there are a spattering of uh, power outages across Mississippi. For Mississippi Power, I think they noted uh, in Laurel area, they had a pretty decent hit there. Um, but you know, what's, what's great about the utility systems here in Mississippi is they respond rapidly to those challenges and are on top of it as quickly as they can. You know, I've been watching in Texas, for example, with the uh, wind turbine electrical energy that or electrical power that they have that, that, uh, the, the ice froze on top of the, the, the panels and knocked out power for large swaths of people that were getting their power from, from those wind systems. But you know, you just you just never know what's going to where your vulnerability is going to be. It's just like COVID. It's just like COVID or hurricane um, or cold weather. It's going to find the path of least resistance and, and affect it in big ways. Why don't we do this? When we come back, let's continue the conversation. I'm interested about the homeless and how do you get a handle on that? And, you know, where, where are vulnerable, vulnerable people listed in, in your emergency plan? And let's, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But this is uh, the uh, Director of Emergency Management for Harrison County, Matt Stratton, and we'll be back after this break. Coast View on Super Talk 103.1 is brought to you by J. Allen Toyota on I-10 Exit 38 Gulfport. See all the incredible inventory at allentoyota.com. And remember, when you think Toyota, think J. Allen Toyota. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. 
This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. It's been a cold one here in coastal Mississippi, and I've got Matt Stratton, who's the director of the of emergency management for Harrison County, with me today, and we're just sort of talking through uh, the situation. And um, you know, you're right. We we were lucky as it relates to snow and freezing rain, et cetera, which causes power outages and other challenges. But the but the the dip in the low twenties, obviously, and wind chills worse than that, um, was not dodging a bullet, and it was especially important and dangerous actually to vulnerable communities. And so how do you guys get your arms around that part of it? Right. Yeah. So whenever we have the extreme cold temperatures uh, like we had with this event, uh, we're in close coordination with the uh, the local governments, uh, with nonprofit partners. And we had uh, two of them uh, who opened uh, cold weather uh, places of refuge for people uh, who might need those uh, services. Um, we also, in this event, did not have uh, any business closures, um, and uh, even though there were some delayed openings for a couple of government locations, uh, there was a lot of places that people could go uh, for warmth if necessary. Well, I've got to know, uh, Jamie Bates, you may know Jamie, and uh, Jamie's a, just a consummate volunteer out in the community, and I connected him to Jeff Clark, who incidentally is a terrific communications guy for you guys. He's a uh, he knows uh, he knows who to talk to, and he's great at making connections. And when I sent him a note yesterday to rope him into the conversation with Jamie Bates, he responded. I, I mean, not a single dust settled. I mean, he was he was on it really quickly. But but Jamie sent a note this morning that said that the uh, Salvation Army was able to provide everyone shelter who sought the shelter. And you know, obviously, you hope in a lot of cases. Homeless community can be in places where you don't know where they are. And then we know where some of the, the the various camps are, but it's almost impossible to seek them all out. They almost have to make themselves known so we can so we can help them. But they were working on, uh, you know, raising, you know, bringing cots together. I think the mayor of, of Gulfport reached out to Glenn East, um, who offered Central Elementary Gym. And Kevin Coggin from CTA was involved in the discussion. John McFarlane from Red Cross. And as you know, the Red Cross is not... They're not. They don't respond to cold events typically. That's not what they do. They're they're more response to disasters and, of course, the blood supply. But still, John went out of his way. He offered he offered cots and he started you know put out a lot of feelers on behalf of uh, the Red Cross. Um, let's see, uh, cots and blankets and care packs, even coffee pots and uh, and coffee. So you had uh, you had uh, you know representatives from the Gulfport PD. Uh, were you know focused on you know riding around and, and checking things out and you know, the list really goes on and on. But one of the things that Jamie pointed out is that and it's something I always talk about here on the community uh, on Coast View is that when people in the community have needs, we have so many. I call them the thousand points of light. These are people who who you know as as uh, the, the uh, former uh, president of the United States. Uh, 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 President George Bush would say that these are the the points of light that collectively make up the thousand points of light that are people who are working in the community to fill gaps. And uh, man, we're lucky to have so many dedicated people, people who are just, you know, we got it. There's a need here. We know what it is. Let's do everything in our power. Let's not, let's not, let's make the next test, text or the next phone call 
Let's do everything in our power to close any gaps that we're aware of, and maybe even some gaps we're not aware of, so that someone's not left out in the cold. Um, isn't it great to see that here in coastal Mississippi? Uh, it, it really is. That's one of the reasons why we decided to stay here when I retired out of the military is the, the people of the Gulf Coast really care about each other. And um, yeah, there's a lot of people uh, in government and, and with the various nonprofit organizations who, who want to help their, their fellow uh, neighbors and members of the community. Um, you know, it's, it's a challenging situation with uh, the homeless, but, uh, um, you know, we're, we're trying to meet those needs as best we can. Um, but, you know, even looking beyond that, uh, there's, you know, people scattered around our communities who maybe have houses, but maybe they've got financial difficulties, maybe issues with their power or whatever. And so we really encourage uh, people throughout our communities to, to check on your neighbors, you know, ask how they're doing. And, uh, you know, if, if you can help in some way, try to uh, try to reach out to them. Well, there's, that's so true. Um we again, we talk about this a lot. The impact of the pandemic is far reaching. So, you know, people have that have had their livelihoods disrupted. Um, you know, a lot of small businesses have had to close. You know, I hate to ponder on the realities of a tough economic situation that was created by something like a pandemic. But we but when we have a cold event like this or even when we had the hurricane, it, it does create a moment for us to focus for a second and say, OK, let's make sure that we are we are doing everything we can to close gaps in this community for the people who need it. And it's a great, I mean, look, I think, again, that's that's the resilience of coastal Mississippi. That's a, that's the thing that's deep in our soul that says we're going to reach out to the, our neighbors and it transcends political boundaries. And, for, you know, it's in that moment that we find out what the heart and soul of coastal Mississippi is all about. And it's, some, it's something to really behold. Um, so you've got a you've got a big team there. I, I bet they there's a lot of energy that goes on around you when a cold event is about to occur. Well, yeah, we we've been coordinating quite a bit over these last several days. Uh, of course, because of COVID, we're not necessarily all in the EOC piled in together, trying to keep our distance. And boy, through technology, we can do a, a lot of coordination remotely now with uh, with teleconference and and email and everything else that's available to us. And so that's been some really good tools in our toolkit. Um, and it works not just for the, the winter weather as we've recently had, but, you know, looking ahead to our spring severe weather. Uh, this is actually severe weather preparedness week for Mississippi. And uh, <laughs> not that we don't already have pandemics and, and winter weather going on, but uh, before we know it, tornadoes and damaging winds and, and flooding, flash flooding from uh, severe thunderstorms are, are going to be a, a threat for us. And so we need to think ahead to that and prepare now. And as you said earlier, before long, it'll be hurricane season. Um, and, you know, really a lot of the activities that we do preparing for one type of disaster are, are helpful in other situations as well. And so that uh, kind of helps us get more bang for the buck, so to speak. It really does. It, there's no doubt about it. Hey, listen, I rode over to the Coliseum the last couple of days. I just wanted to, I didn't go in. I just wanted to see, you know, what it looked like as, as people are, are getting in line, getting their vaccines. And, um, you know, they had this really kind of orderly flow of the traffic going through the parking lots of the, of the Coliseum. Man, there were a lot of cars there. Of course, you know, there were police helping direct the traffic. This is a great collaboration between Coast Hospitals and Matt McDonald and his team have kind of opened up the Coliseum to this effort. And uh, man, they're they're really they're really knocking out a bunch of vaccines every day, aren't they? Yeah, they're doing a great job. Uh, last update I saw, uh, I think it was over twenty six thousand 
uh, vaccinations have taken place there uh, in Harrison County. And, and the Coliseum is a great facility to be able to do that. They really have a lot of the, uh, the capabilities that are needed to move through a lot of people in that situation. And so it's been a good experience and I look forward to continue working uh, with them, uh, both the health department and the Coliseum and the National Guard on uh, continuing that. Yeah, my wife, Ann, and I, we don't have pre-existing conditions and we're under 65. So we're you know just awaiting our turn and we can't wait to get in that line. I don't, I don't mind telling you. Um, I did. I had COVID back in October and a friend of mine is in the medical industry and he uh, brought a, um, a uh, antibody test for me to do one of those quick tests. And I took it and I don't have the antibody anymore. So <laughs> it, it, about, about three and a half months, uh, you know, they say it could last up to six months, but about three and a half months, uh, I don't have it anymore. So I'm susceptible to, to coronavirus again. And I think that's a good lesson actually that people who have had coronavirus, they think, okay, I'm good now. You know, I can wait and take the vaccine somewhere way down the road. But the truth is, it sort of depends on your situation and maybe the strain of COVID you got. I'll talk more with Dr. Conger about that on, um, on the Friday, but, um, have you heard similar, similar stories like that? Yeah. One of the big takeaways, it seems like from COVID so far is, you know, each person, each situation uh, reacts differently to it. And so, you know, how I experienced it is different than my kids did. It's different than maybe neighbors did. And, and so, um, you know, how you, your body reacts to it individually and, and what the, uh, the long-term protection is on your immune system. There's a lot of factors in that. And even though it seems like we've been dealing with COVID forever, it's only been a year, right? And so we're still learning about this disease and, and how it works. And, and uh, you know, there's a, a lot of research yet to come. And so, you know, given the best information we have available, that's what recommendations are going out to people now. But Yes, just because you, you had a positive test or maybe you think you had COVID, uh, don't immediately say, oh, I'm not going to get vaccinated. I think there is value in that and uh, would encourage people to, to do that when they are able to. Again, I'll talk more with Dr. Conger about that on Friday. By the way, we're coming to the end of this show, but the only lingering effect I have is I, I have I have some of my taste back. I would say about 50%, but it's hard to kind of put a number on it because certain things I can taste really fine. Other things I can't taste at all. It's frustrating. Like, for example, a filet mignon. I, you know, I like to have a filet mignon from time to time. I can't taste steak. That's frustrating to me. But uh, but other things I can taste. So thank God I've got some some taste back. But anyway, listen, uh, Matt Stratton, thank you for your leadership. For uh, send your send my regards to your team. We'll stay in touch with each other because uh, you know you're always going to be called on to come to the come to the rescue of the community and get us prepared. So I'll be here for you as a conduit to the community. So t- have a great day. Thank you. You too. Yeah, okay. Take care. We'll be back with uh, Jeremy England after this. Broadcasting safe and sound from the coastal Mississippi studios, this is Coast View View. with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.